Lord, we thank you for all these kids. We ask that you bless them and cover them. Lord, I thank you that it says your word does not return void, so all the scriptures that they hear, they can hold on to. Lord, we pray for your protection. We thank you for your mercy. Bless those that are teaching them this morning. And Lord, we just lift this message up to you today. We lift this service. We thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. We thank you that no matter what situation we're in, how we feel, Lord, we can call out to you. We can lift your name on high. We can praise you, Lord. And we can change the way we think. We can change the way our even circumstances can go because, Father, we can call upon you. Lord, we know that you care for us, that you love us, that you have a plan and a purpose for everyone that is here. I thank you that they are here this morning. I ask that you would bless this time, Lord, that you would open the word to us, convict us, change us, that we would be motivated, and that, Father, we thank you for your presence, that you are in this place. Guard my lips, and may you bless this time, and all God's people said, amen. amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. What it says is, even though it's only an hour, an hour and a half, it, you're saying, hey, this is what we do as a family. We come together and we're going to glorify the Lord. And you know what? The Lord blesses that because there's always stuff to do. There's always things to do, right? And even when we're not here anymore on this earth, the world's going to keep turning. Our time is the most valuable thing that you have. So I thank you that you are here. I know that it's a blessing because you want to come together as the body of Christ and you're honoring the Lord by being here. And so is everyone else that's making time today to come to the Lord at church and gather together in his name. Amen. It's a blessing. Now, as you know, we go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter and chapter, and we've been going through Romans. We're going to finish the back part of Romans and get into Romans chapter 13, which is a pretty intense chapter, and it's probably one of the most abused, twisted chapters in history of the Bible. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at it in its context. And as we go through it, I believe the Lord's going to speak to us on how it applies to us today, and also how important it is in the unity in the body of Christ. Now, does unity mean we all have to agree? No, we might all have different ideas, right? It's like an orchestra. The church is supposed to be like an orchestra. Does it sound good? I mean, you got so many talented people in an orchestra, but what happens if someone's out of tune or they try to go higher than everyone else? It doesn't flow. The body of Christ is for us all to come together and use our gifts. That's what we talked about last week. And we're living as our lives as a living sacrifice to serve the Lord. And in doing so, we experience the Lord. You experience the Lord in service. And as you study his word, you begin to understand what his plans and his purposes are for you. And not only on top of that, you begin to build a confidence, not in your flesh, but in him. How many of you know when you pray, how many of you ever think prayer doesn't always change things? Sometimes we think that. Let's be honest. I'm a pastor, and sometimes I wonder. But the Lord says, well, are you really praying? How many times do you pray? Because every time I pray and ask the Lord, he reveals something, and then I, it hits me like a ton of bricks. I was praying for something specific in the last few days just for confirmation, and the Lord has given me that several times. And I don't know how to handle it sometimes 
because it's just a blessing to know that he really does care and he hears us. But it's a participation. It's a, a waiting on him, seeking him, praying, asking him. In a person's life, if someone comes into your mind and you haven't thought about them in who knows how long, just say, Lord, wherever they are, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them. If you know someone is struggling or going through grief, call them, reach out to them. And when you do, just, just ask them and pray for them. Lord, bless this person. Lord, I ask that you would encourage them. Because you know what? It does change things. God is doing things all the time. It's whether or not we have eyes to see it. It doesn't just come easy to see those things. You have to put yourself in a place and position yourself to do so. And as we go through Romans, you're talking like if you remember, when we were in Romans, this church was struggling. Nero was a horrible person. And just a little back again story for you. The church at this time, Romans kind of said, okay, you guys can have church as long as it doesn't cause us any problems, basically. Now, there was some people that had a hard time, right? The Jew, so when the Jewish believers became Christians, you had the Sanhedrin, right? And you had the Sadducees. The Sanhedrin oversaw the, the rules, if you will. They had a court. They had things to, to deal with the Jewish community. And then they also answered to Rome. So they kind of became maybe a little more political than they were supposed to be. And they were like, hey, it's cool to be a Christian until it wasn't. And when it wasn't is when it began, the Romans were like, hey, I hear about these riots. Who are these Jews wanting to come against Rome? They were called zealots. And they were all over the place at this time. So you had all kinds of diverse groups of people, and a lot of them professed to be Christians, but a lot of them didn't act like Christians. Much like today, right? Much like today. The media will never portray what a Christian is. They'll always portray what a professing Christian or someone who says they're a Christian, but their actions don't line up because the enemy loves it. What is he out to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy the testimony because he's already lost. And all he can do is keep people from coming to the truth. Part of that is by continually blinding them, but a lot of it is also them wanting or allowing themselves to be blinded. What is the judgment that light has come into the world, but people chose darkness over the light? Why? Because their deeds were evil. When we do things we're ashamed of or there's evil, we want to hide. We don't want anybody to see who we really are, but God sees. And in the midst of that, of thinking we're preserving ourselves, we're only harming ourselves. And that's what those in the world are doing. They don't know. And that's why as Christians, we have a calling it's not a, hey, could you? If you're a Christian, you will be compelled to share the love of Christ because you don't deserve it and you've received it. You've been given mercy when you didn't deserve it. And when you understand what it means to be given mercy, when you didn't earn it, you can't work as hard, you can't get enough A's, you can't do everything perfect to make everything line up just right, it still wouldn't matter because we were meant to come into this place of bending knee and dependence upon God just like a child is dependent upon its parents. That's the picture we have. That doesn't change with your maturity in Christ. We will always have to come into a place of total dependence. Is it difficult? Yeah. Is it rewarding? Yes. Because when we're dependent, we begin to see that God's provisions 
and his power, his omnipotence, his his presence that is all-encompassing is all around us. We begin to see things we couldn't see before because we're looking at the wrong thing. This early group of Christians were confused. They didn't know. Should they go against Rome or should they not? When does the government have too much authority? When do we say enough is enough? These were all things that they were dealing with. So when we're going to read it, we're going to look at it in its context. And as you remember, it goes hand in hand because you've got to remember, we didn't have chapters. The first Bible, Gutenberg Bible, didn't have chapters. When it get in, we added chapters later so it would be easier for reference. But you've got to look at it. That's why it's important to kind of go, when you study the Bible, go through it. Go through a book and just say, hey, I'm going to read this book. John, Matthew, Mark, right? And go through it. Don't do the roulette of jumping around. Yeah, you can still be blessed, but the real blessing comes by studying it the way it is and pray as you do so. So in Romans chapter 12, we're going to start with, uh, I went all the way through it, but I want to, before we go into 13, I want to hit 14 and just go. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. Just so you know, when it says, when those people persecute you or people come against you, in other words, he's wanting the Christians in Rome to say, hey, one, don't draw unneeded attention to yourself, but as much as it depends on you, be a decent person in your community. Be a decent person. He's saying that to them. Don't be, if someone comes against you, the whole point of being a Christian is to not be like the world. You don't need to retaliate. Let the Lord defend you. That's hard, right? I'd say that hurts us more in our pride. I mean, obviously, if someone's attacking your family, you're going to do what you have to do. I'm talking about when it says defending, and say someone says something about you that's not true. And you let it just spin you in a tailspin all through the job place or something else, something similar, a family member, some mis uh, misrepresentation of who you are. And, and you get upset and you allow it. You know, he's saying, hey, when they come against you, when someone says something false about you, you give it to God. You don't need to defend yourself. Right. That's what it's saying. Now, that, let's hear it. And it's now think about it. He also knows that there are persecution happening in certain parts of Rome. So he could be, we don't know, but he could be saying, hey, we don't want to draw this out, so let's be good as much as it depends on you. Be a good person. Do the right thing, right? Do the right thing. It says, bless and do not curse. You know, cursing, we always simply, simply say, oh, that's saying bad words. That, that would be more along the lines of don't let uh, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Curse is to speak ill of. The other person and wish them harm inside cursing would be like someone harmed me so i'm going to get my story out there and i'm going to speak bad of them to other people i'm guilty i've done that right i'd like to say i didn't but i i do sometimes we want to defend ourselves or i might want to say hey i don't really like that person is that really beneficial to the person i'm talking to no. Name a time it's beneficial. Are we all on the same page? We all kind of know it's never really beneficial except for our own selves. 
right? Now you can warn them, this is outside the realm of obviously, hey, that guy's dangerous. You know what I'm talking about, right? Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, when you hear that, you go, that, well, now I'm just being nice because I want him to burn. Right? I'm going to be really nice because you're going to get punished. Right? That's not what it's saying. At first, when you look at it, you'd be like, well, it kind of sounds like he's saying when someone is at sin, just like it says, in fact, let's just turn there real quick to Romans chapter 2. When we go to Romans 2, you'll see it. Romans chapter 2. But because of your stubbornness, this is, sorry, yeah, Romans 2, verses 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Keep in mind, these people are persecuting and coming against Christians. They're harming. They're saying, hey, the Christians are meeting in this house. Let's go get them. That's probably in the context of what could be happening. And he's saying, hey, you bless them. If someone says, hey, you don't speak ill of them, and you know what, as they continue to be stubborn and hard-hearted, guess what? They're building wrath from God on themselves. It has nothing to do with you. They're not changing their heart. They're staying in an unrepentant, stubborn state. Now, I don't know about you, I'm a stubborn person, right? I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to be stubborn. I don't know, it's probably partially pride and partially can do and Whatever else it is that makes me feel like I have to just go down this, you know, trying hard and just accepting the fact that, hey, sometimes you need help. Sometimes I can't fix it, and that's okay, right? Anyone else stubborn? Right? We all understand what it's like. We all notice when someone else is stubborn, but rarely do we notice when we're stubborn, right? We don't want to be stubborn. Those in the world are stubborn. Because you know what? I believe God deeply touches people's lives and they don't want to deal with it at the moment because it might be too much or they don't want to admit they need him. Well, you weren't there when I was 10. You weren't there when this happened. And some of those are legitimate arguments. They could say, yeah, you were They don't understand the love of God. That's where we as Christians come in. Well, he was there. We live in a fallen world. Things happen. The, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Some things are out of your control, but you know what? He's here now, and he loves you. And what he can do in a moment, in a week, you cannot even do in your lifetime if we just yield and come before him. We get to represent that God to those people. Jesus, that's what I mean, not one that sounding like more, but you understand what I mean. We get to represent Christ to this world, Amen. So he's telling them this. He wants them to be encouraged by it. He wants them to know, hey, when the things happen, he started with living sacrifices. We're in unity. We're going to grow together. Hey, stop having divisions amongst yourself. Doesn't mean you're all going to have to agree. You know, there was like this gathering once, and everybody wanted to put it on in the community, and all kinds of people came around, and you had the guy that took care of lights, and you had the guy who took care of the food, and you had the person that put all the decorations up, and all of them felt like their part was the most important part in the event. 
so much so that they stopped working together. And so when the person came wrong, the leader came around, he said, hey, look, we're all here for one thing, to glorify God. When you look at it that way, it's the same way the church is an event. We come together, we, hey, we work together. It might not always be the way we want, but we're willing to, to give the position to someone else if need be. We're willing to allow God to move and use gifts with other people. I think we do that pretty good here, right? I'm not, I don't know what others are doing, but that's our goal here is to encourage and uplift each other. Your gifts are important. So he's saying all that and he's giving it, hey, love is important. It must be sincere. You hate what is evil. This is all in chapter 12, 9 and through there. Honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal, right? Put others above yourself. Don't lack in spiritual fervor, you know, and serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. In other words, be a decent human being and meet the need of others and think about others more than yourself. Real simple. So he says all that to him. And then he says, hey, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning holes on your head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. One area you can do that, and I think we all do, is we can get really mad about the way the world is being ran. It's not fair. It's funny that we think it should be. We live in a fallen world. It's not going to be fair. Right? How old were you when you realized the world wasn't fair? I was in sixth grade, maybe even earlier, but that was the time I remember the most because the teacher said, hey, the world's not fair. Well, wait a second. It's supposed to be, right? Things aren't fair, and we live in a world that's, that's why we're called to live outside of that realm. We're called to live for him. And when you trust him, it, you don't worry about what's fair, because God will make it right. We stand up for injustices, yes, but the point is when it comes to you and, hey, why did that person get it, or why is this happening? Why didn't I get recognition, or why didn't, you gotta just give all that to God, amen? You give it to God and you pray about it and pray about the person that's giving you a hard time or pray about the situation that is hard for you, amen? So don't overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Basically, do not repay, but step back. Now, I'm not gonna, I, I don't believe that's even possible without the Holy Spirit working in our life. When we are wronged, we wanna make it right, right? We get upset, there's a lot of things that happen that can make you really mad, but you know what? God gets angry with the same stuff that you and I do. When innocent people are harmed, God is not happy about that. You know what it says about someone who harms a child? They get a millstone tied around their neck, thrown in the water, so face first going down while they drowned. That's what they have in store for people that cause little ones to stumble. Did you know that was in the Bible? Right? So guess what? God loves the kids. God loves you and me. People that are taken advantage of and harmed, there's a special place for them. Right? Is that too harsh? We're all on the same page? Good. Sometimes I wonder if you guys are like, he's losing it. We might need to go somewhere else. Now the part that's controversial. Are you ready for it? Oh, and I got enough time, right? 
Romans chapter 13. Who do you think misused this scripture the most in history? Name, just give me one name. A dictator, horrible totalitarian dictator. I'm aiming for an answer. Is it Hitler? Does everyone agree Hitler? Who else? Who? Probably, yes. In fact, I think most regimes used this scripture and abused it. Colonialism used this scripture and abused it. All throughout history in the United States, people have used this scripture and abused it. Will our government or could our government use this scripture and abuse it? You better bet your bottom dollar they can, right? I'm already too controversial because we're gonna get deep in it because you need to understand the context because it's important. There's nothing more dangerous than a person who doesn't understand the word of God in its context, mainly because you're gonna go off with your own thoughts and you're gonna have a wrong representation of who God is or his law or his rules. And next thing you know, you're gonna be disappointed in what's gonna happen. You're gonna think God has abandoned you or failed you. The whole time you were not, you have to, I'm telling everyone in here, how do you keep your way pure? By meditating on the word day and night. It, we're all called to know the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. You're like, well, we're here. It goes even more than Sunday. You don't have to be crazy and go, I, I'm gonna, first of the year, died in Leviticus. No, just get in the word. Study and read it. Ask God to reveal it to you. There is a right way and a wrong way. And once you see it, you can understand. One, the word of God will not contradict itself. Why do I say this? Let's look at Jesus in the desert. What is the number one thing the devil did? He went out there and misused scripture. In fact, he used Psalm 91 to try to deceive or get Jesus not to go to the cross. And it, ultimately, that's what it was. He didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. He's like, hey, there's, you know, he says, hey, when Jesus was out there for that whole time, he says, hey, you can make these stones into this. But when he went to Psalm 91, he says, hey, cast yourself off of here. You know what? He'll catch you. It says like in Psalm 91, and he quoted scripture. And then Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, I believe chapter 6. He says, it also says, do not put your God to a test. You see, the devil knows scripture, and he knows how to twist it. It also says in 2 Corinthians that he comes as an angel of light. What does that look like? He doesn't have horns. He is the master manipulator and deceiver. That's how he functions. And he's a liar, and he's really good at it. He knows how to make you feel like you're on top of the world just to cut you down a second later. That's how he functions. And so what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He's teaching us how to use the word of God correctly. God's not going to give you one thing in scripture and contradict another part. Is scripture abused, in a, in, and I'm not saying names, but in a lot of westernized TV type stuff? It's taken out of context. I'm sorry. It's taken out of context. And it's your job, and my, I, my goal is that we all know the word of God. That's what I want to do, teach and encourage and uplift. But you also have to take an active role in that and participate. What is it saying? That's why I always think it's important because you know what? We're not losing anything. We're gaining by knowing the days and the times and the situation because it's just like today. These people had the same struggles that we have. So I'm encouraged by that, amen?
right? So it says in, in Romans chapter 13, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Hitler, number one, main one, used this scripture because he was trying to take the Protestant German church and even Catholicism, some parts at that time, were stepping into that and, and supporting Nazism. That's history. Look it up. I'm not going to say they all were. We know that Frederick Bonhoeffer or, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer did not. He was martyred, and he was the professing Christian church in Germany. And he spoke out against it because this was being preached all over. They tried to establish a church saying, hey, let's go against the Jews. We're God's chosen people. That happened. Misrepresentation of the word. But you know what? You don't always hear a lot about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I think I'm saying his name right. You don't hear a lot about him, do you? Here's a man who knew it would cost him his life, is preaching that is not the gospel. That is not what Paul is saying. That is not what it means. Think again here. The governing authorities and stuff. You had people that were like, hey, we live under God's authority. We'll just do whatever we want. That is, there was people at that time that were doing that. They're like throwing rocks at Roman soldiers, probably doing really bad activities in the community. They were bringing an uprising, if you will. And Paul's like, hey, there's laws in place. And guess what? God, it's hard for me to understand how some leaders are in leadership and God has ordained it. I just don't, is it judgment? Sometimes I feel like we're just in judgment because the way things are ran. But the truth is God's in control and he can change and move and shift all kinds of things beyond our belief, but he is in control and we are called to pray for our leaders. Doesn't say we have to necessarily like them, but we are to pray for them. I think California is in a really rough spot. And I'd be a liar if I told you I'd, was happy with the powers to be. But you know what? Complaining about it, getting angry about it, isn't going to fix it. That's not what we're called to do. You vote. Don't, Pastor Sean said we're not supposed to vote. Pastor Sean is saying your number one priority is your walk with God and the people around you and how are you a light in this community. That's way more important than what happens in San Francisco. Guess what? If you haven't noticed, we can't control that. But we can pray, we can pray, we can do, we can act. When he's saying this to them, he's letting them know, hey, people were probably also saying, hey, there's people like, hey, we don't need to listen to nobody. We run, our, we make our own rules, right? There's people doing that. They do that today. And then they say, God is, I'm not underneath any authority in the world. I'm underneath God's authority alone. You're missing, the guy's missing the point. It's saying we are to live at peace with everyone as much as we can. But when it comes to an ethical thing, you choose God over man. Period. My point exactly. Paul, now hear me right. We're going to have to continue this next week. Paul was told not to preach in Acts anymore. Did he stop preaching? No, he preached. And they hunted him down, right? 
So it comes down to this. We be at peace with everyone, but the government does not have a right to step in and tell you what you can do with your body or what you can put in your body, in my opinion. You are to answer to God. You are to be at peace with everyone around you. You are to pay your taxes. You go, well, they don't use the money really well. I guarantee you some of that tax money is being used well. Okay? Some of it is being used well. Don't assume that everything is dark. There is darkness. You guys got really quiet when I said the government doesn't have anything right to tell you what. Do, do, do we disagree? Do you guys disagree with me? It's okay. I'm not, I'm doing some touchy stuff here. But I'm, I'm telling you, throughout his, I'm not saying our government's acting like Hitler either. Not yet, but it could. <laughs> there might be a day. My point is, if we are doing what's right, we don't need to worry about those things. You'll know in your heart when God says no. Okay? It's not, the government doesn't, the civic, yes. Civil things, yes. That's their authority. But when it comes into things against your conscience, that's between you and God. And it's okay to prepare yourself and know, hey, I'm going to choose this. And you'll feel in your heart, I need to do this because it's right. Right? How many of you are not coming back next week? <laughs> I know that's a touchy thing, but I want to put it in its context, okay? Because this has been abused so much, it's sickening. He's saying, hey, laws are there. If you don't break the law, then you're not going to have to worry about getting in trouble. What is the law for? The Mosaic Law, which some of our laws, a lot of them have come from biblical background. The lawless, right? Laws are for the lawless. You guys act like that's a new concept? You guys get what that means? The laws are for the lawless, right? When you think about it. Let's turn with me to 1 Timothy. Chapter 1, verses 8. We know that the law is good if a man uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the good men, but for the lawbreakers, the rebels, the ungodly, and the sinful, unholy, irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, adulterers, and perverts, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, or whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he has entrusted to me. So Timothy was in Ephesus, a very, very cultural, significant place at this time. And that's where he's at. And so Paul, in his last letters, to encourage him, write him that. So in other words, if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we don't need to worry about those things. There might be a time that when you do what is right, people are going to come against you for it. You know? And we live in a time now, it, you, can, you can honor anything else other than Christianity. You can talk about Buddhism, you can talk about all kinds of things, but people don't want to hear about Christ or Christianity. And I'll give it to you. There's a lot of bad representation out there in the world. But what does that mean for us? We are called to be a light. We do that first and foremost by being right with God ourselves. And in the midst of that, we also realize the world that we live in and that it's not our own. Our life belongs to God. And you know what? That doesn't mean you're not going to have a blessed life. You're going to have the most blessed life.
Some people have the idea, well, if I serve God, I can't have fun and enjoy life. Your fun will just be different than what you're used to. He'll show you things you didn't know before. You can have fun in sobriety. You can have fun and enjoy life outside of being under a cloud. There's a lot of people who can attest to that. So when he's saying this to them, he's saying basically as it means upon you and in its historical context, do what you are to do is right. Pay taxes, do the right thing and serve God. And serve God. But ultimately, you have to remember that when it comes to your conscience, who are you going to serve? Just like it says in Acts, when all the disciples were brought before the Sanhedrin and they brought the law like, hey, why are you guys doing this? We told you not to do this. They're like, sorry, we must serve God over man. Right? And that's what it will really come down to. Will you serve him if it gets thick and costs you something? And there's ways to serve him in this world. Like people go, well, I hear all the time, well, you know, we were doing this and then there's that one person, they're overzealous and excited and they, and they want to pray and there's nothing wrong with prayer, but you got to use wisdom in this world in how you do it, right? Does that make sense? One of the things that we had heard and bless this person's heart, I'm not speaking ill, it's just an example. If someone is going through CPR or going through something that they need and then there's a post, someone comes up and they're a Christian and they want to pray for them and they get in the way of the paramedic doing CPR, is that God? I don't need to let everyone see I'm praying. I can pray just like I'm praying right now, right? It's not a show. See, you can be effective all the time. It's not an outward thing. You just say, Lord, I pray for this person right now. Soften their heart. I pray for healing. Lord, I just ask that you would enter this room. Steady the hand of those that are working. Steady over here. Calm the mind, Lord. Thank you for your presence. I pray if they don't know you, that they would see a light in me and others and that we could have a conversation. And then when God opens those doors, oh, they're so wonderful. Amen? So as we continue in 13. And those who do will bring judgment on themselves for rulers hold no terror for those who do what is right. For those who do, but those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear and one of authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant. This is speaking as long as they're acting within the realm of civility. In other words, they're doing the right thing. But once it comes to a point where it comes against your conscience, that's where we have an issue. Right? That's where we have an issue. And that's between you and God. You have to decide what you're going to do. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. In other words, if you know you've done everything right, now this submitting to authorities, again, he's talking to people probably not wanting more uh, uh, persecution to come into the early church. Like I said, it was sporadic not wanting to draw too much attention because we know it wasn't much longer that Rome was burnt by, down by Nero and then blamed on the Christians. So we know that persecution was coming up. It was flaring up all over and he's writing this church to encourage them on how they're supposed to live in their community. Stop fighting for one between yourselves and two, be a light, do the right thing. Don't be the guy running out there picking a fight with everybody and demanding justice like your judge and jury that's not your job. 
Do what God has put in your heart to do and do it under the Lord and let him move things. And he's telling them, hey, submit, because a lot of them are like, we're done with this. I call it this, don't cross mental bridges before you even have to. Get right with God, but don't build all these ideas and change your emotions and how you view life and everything else on stuff that hasn't happened yet. You put your faith in God and you trust him and you set yourself before him because he's in control. Because ultimately it comes down to us not believing he's in control. Am I right? We're like, well, he's not in control of California. I would say out of all the states, California, not us per se, but probably turned its back on God a lot more than others. So maybe what we're seeing has nothing to do with us. You understand? We live in a fallen world. Our job is to be the light. I used to get so frustrated, and God's done so much with my anger over the years, believe it or not, and so frustrated with things, and Rod Thompson, a mentor to me and a good friend told me, and it's always stuck. And when I start to do it, I catch myself with this phrase. Instead of cursing the darkness, be the light. Because we all want to, and they're, and they're, and then this, and then, can you believe it? And then they're going to go, and then all this stuff, instead of being the light, right? Are we, did I scare anyone? You guys ready? Sleeping now? Okay. We're going to get ready for communion as we get ready to go into that. I want you to read 13 and 14 as we get into next week, as we begin to get further into it, and we're going to get ready for communion. But in this moment, this is where we think, hey, understanding Scripture in its entirety and in its context is important. Amen? Would you agree? Whose responsibility is it? Yes. Right? Yes. All through, most of the New Testament is written to people who are twisting it. The letters were written to combat people taking the scripture that you're reading and twisting it. You think about that? Twisting it to make it fit what they want. You've all heard that. Well, people can make the Bible say anything they want. No, they can't. They just read it out of context. When you read it in context, it's very clear what we're called to do and who Jesus is. Amen? So as we get ready to prepare for communion, this is where you take a moment to pray and ask, hey, God, what are these things in my life or hindrances that I might have or angers or frustrations, and can I give them to you? Before you take communion, you take that as an opportunity because it's for what he's done for us, amen? He made a way when there was no way, and he, 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 he re restored us to a right relationship with him by what Jesus did on the cross. He died for us so that we may know him and walk with him, and that's what we're going to do today in remembrance of him. So I want you to come up as you feel free. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, don't feel pressured to do it. This is something that you do as we do in remembrance of what Jesus has done. Amen. So we're going to take a couple moments to pray while she's playing. And then as the elders and the deacons come up to help with the elements, come up as you feel led to. And then we'll take it together as we get ready to go. This morning, I want to leave you with this. Is it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 15, so where, it, where it says, For it is God's will that by doing good, or actually verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king or the supreme authority or to governors, or is sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men, 
We are to live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God, show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood, the believers, fear God, and honor the kings. I mean, God has called us definitely to live a different life, amen? But he's also given us the power to do it. And so a lot of the times we just have to ask God to change our heart where we need to. But mostly, God gives us wisdom and discernment. How many of you know we need God's discernment? He'll give you peace. It says we shall be led forth with peace and joy. A lot of the times, if you're making a decision, God will give you peace about it if you're to do it. That could be all kinds of things. Pursuing a certain thing, job change, working something out. I don't know. However it is, but it's not a, you're going to be at peace. You don't have to try to overwork it. Amen. God will give you a peace about it, a sense of joy that you're like, it's going to be okay. And so that's a good, healthy approach when we're dealing with things. If you don't have a peace, stop forcing things. Amen. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Because we all do it because we want instant results. Sometimes, thank God that we don't always get what we want when we think we want it. Because God sees and knows things, and he wants to lead us. But it's hard if we're trying to pull the rope all the time. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone that is here. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your wisdom. As we even continue to uh, break it down even more next week, Lord, and look at Paul's life and all of the things and the challenges, Lord, we thank you that you are with us even to this day for every battle, every uh, thought. Lord, it says in your word that we're to take every thought captive and submit it to the word of God, make it obedient to what we know as your word says it. Faith comes by hearing your word. So, Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active in our lives, and may we go forth from this place and be a light in the community. Take a second before we speak and to truly listen to those around us and ask for opportunities, Lord, that you would open doors, divine appointments, where we can share your love with someone else because, Father, we love you. You first loved us. And, Father, you gave your life for us so that we may know you. Let us fully understand what that means to serve in a world where people are lost. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. May you go and be a blessing.